A diamond has long been a symbol of commitment, love, and trust. Isn't it time the diamond industry showed us the same values behind the scenes? Clean Origin is leading the engagement ring industry toward a brighter future, designing elegant lab-grown diamond fine jewelry that never compromises our values. A brand that doesn't just talk the talk, but one that was founded to make a difference, to offer a more environmentally friendly, conflict-free, and price-accessible choice without any compromises on quality. Lab diamonds are grown in a lab using cutting-edge technology that replicates the process of natural diamonds. A lab-grown diamond is chemically, physically, and visually identical to a mined diamond without the adverse effects of traditional diamond mining. And for a price of up to 10 times less, we don't know why you'd choose anything else. You know, I'm a Sag. I'm always going to say bigger is better. And with these prices, three carats is the new one carat, baby. Go big. Honestly, five carats is the new three carats if you really want to go there. You all know that we know a thing or two about engagement rings. And these clean origin rings are simply stunning, classic designs, and for a fraction of the price. From the color of your metal to the center stone and setting, you'll be able to customize every aspect of this very important lifetime piece of jewelry. Whether you're looking for an engagement ring or tennis bracelet or diamond stud earrings, Clean Origin has beautiful diamond jewelry that you'll be wearing forever. You can use code What's Your Sign for $100 off all orders over $1,000. That's $100 off all orders over $1,000. Go to cleanorigin.com and use our code What's Your Sign at checkout for $100 off of your order of $1,000 or more. Use our promo code What's Your Sign, all spelled out. Check out Clean Origin today. Welcome to What's Your Sign. I'm Julia Loken. I'm Stevie Anderson. And I'm the Kiki Bader Ginsburg of this podcast. Kiki. Yes, Kiki. Ah, so uh, cute. I know. I mean, that yeah. was Yeah. I mean death. Horrifying. So death. Sad. A year of death. The appropriate themery of this. Like and you know, like when people are like 2020 stop it's like that was like oh my god 2020 stop <laughs> like can we can we have like not to memify a year but goddamn it's just like it's just so tragic and also chadwick boseman really got me this year there was just like mm-hmm. a lot of just a lot of heavy hitters that yeah just right in the right in the field and obviously in the in the bigger scheme of it all like oh fuck but yeah what what do you do? Well, it's just, it's so hard because it's also like you can't, it's so, it's so complicated because you can't just be, 
nothing is just the one thing. It can't be like, oh, we're sad because this, you know, icon stalwart of of feminism and, um, you know, all of these things. We can't just mourn that. We also have to go immediately into anxiety about what this means mm-hmm. for the larger scheme of things. What does this mean for the election? What does this mean for, you know, the well, future of our democracy i don't know if we did that i think there's some yeah. hyenas in the gop that kind of <laughs> sure forged exactly. that reaction we, well yes we didn't but it is like you just can't you know you yeah it it just seems so unfair on on so many levels Mm-hmm. And maybe this is my, and again, not to dive right in right away, but how can you not? We had a very ace house pre <laughs> taxes and money and business phone calls before this. So I feel like I'm in the mode, but I feel like my eighth house feel like I can't help but not go to like, wait, our whole system rides on like these few people. Like it just feels like so like that's fucked up. That shouldn't. That shouldn't be like the idol, the idleness of it and the like the themes and symbology. And it's like, I don't know, like that doesn't feel like checks and balances. It doesn't feel like checks and balances. It's just an old system that worked when there weren't millions of people inhabiting this country. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you think about what those people, how many, you know, constituents the Supreme Court represented when it was created, you would be supremely happy with i mean not not the demographics of it but like you would be so stoked to see that like the guy that lives in your neighborhood or whatever Mm -hmm. is on because there weren't we weren't populated like we are now and so well i we create these city and local and state and like we think that they all communicate and they don't Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yes Mm -hmm. that's a great point where it's like oh this will get this will get passed up. There has to be a system for that or there, they have to be taking these things into account and they absolutely are not. And I mean, it's also, that's why it's so important. If, if you don't already know this to, to vote, even if you are feeling conflicted, of course, people are feeling conflicted about presidential can candidates. And, uh, I understand that, but our down voting down ticket is also super important because of the aforementioned reasons that that is how you influence your local um, situations. So even if you aren't stoked about a presidential uh, candidate, uh, there's still, there is more than that on at stake and on, on the ballot, but also it's this like, and it's so frustrating because I don't know, you know, what we don't have like a fix to it but also even just like the level of partisanship is so much different now even you know because they've been doing a lot of retrospective work on on rbg and um all that thing she was confirmed 96 to like three or something which 97 to three it used to be a hundred yeah it's like it wasn't even it was it would be laughable to think that someone's Supreme Court nominee wasn't going to go through because it's like, well, this is the the idea of these checks and balances existing because it's the understanding that like, okay, well, when a Democrat is president, they're going to probably put someone a little more liberal on the court if they get an opportunity. And that's just the way this, these are the ways that democracy is supposed to function in order to check and balance itself. But if it's all kind of rigged 
in this one direction. That's why it's not, it is, I don't want to go into like spiraling out like a fucking Karen and being like, uh, <laughs> democracy's dead, but it is a really chilling prospect when it's a, when it is a Senate majority leaning one way that has already put several justices that are lifetime appointments on that. And have also gone back against their own deter. If they get to determine who, who does and doesn't get to put Supreme court nominees on, Mm-hmm. It's not, that's yeah. not democracy. Well, when I Why? was in high school, I don't know who it was. Maybe it was when Sandra Day O'Connor retired. It, I don't remember who it was. I wrote a letter to the White House about how um, they needed to consider me as a nominee because, like, <laughs> um, people my age group weren't represented in the court and. Uh, I think it was, you know, I'm sure I said something about being a woman or whatever, but that I wanted to be a representative for the youth. And like, I don't even know if anyone opened that letter or if they're like, what the fuck? If it go, we're mailed to the White House. Like, I have no idea. Where that would actually goes. be a fun job. Like the person that reads like child mail that's <laughs> sent to the, to the White House. <laughs> But, like, I'm sure I there's a still, sorting pile for that. <laughs> I still feel like, you know, why do they all have to be fucking old people? Like, not, and not like yes. fucking old people in that way, but it's like, why don't, if, if it's a lifetime appointment, like, why are we nominating people that are about to die? Is it because this shouldn't be a lifetime appointment and maybe we should have mm-hmm. some kind of capacity limit based on, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's strange to have all people that are going to, like, die in a similar time yes. get nominated and i don't know it's true it's These definitely all great questions and also the number the number of justices that's not there's no like all of these things are just things that we not we as as uh critical thinking young people but that we have taken as doctrine or like as uh set in stone and yet we absolutely have they're, they're called amendments in the Constitution for a reason because it is meant to be changed and updated and amended as we go forward. So these are absolutely things. It's just not in the Senate at this as it exists current day. It's not in their interest to be doing that. It's in their interest to continue to keep us super partisan in this way. So nothing really, nothing really is getting done, period for anybody because it's 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 all all of the effort is being maintained is maintaining this majority that doesn't let anybody do any work and it's it's fucking gross yeah i, I mean i also i don't think that we should have a high schooler on the supreme court <laughs> of i don't course. i don't think they have the expertise or knowledge of the i'd watch that field. i'd watch that show though i'd watch the show for sure but <laughs> Te- i don't think teen that, judge you know, we want someone who has maybe a law degree yeah. you know I sure okay I'm okay this was a big discussion of like and again I feel like it goes very into like the bigger whole of it all because yeah when RGB died RBG RGB I don't know I'm acronyming for the first time our Ruth Bader Ginsburg RBG when she died I mean that was like a big in my friend group threads of like dude, why didn't you retire? Why didn't you, like, why didn't we, do, like, why didn't we think a, a strategy here, like, advantage? And then the, like, other hand be like, no, well, we just don't know. And you hang out and it's like, no, but, like, you've got to do that sometimes. You do, some like, have to, like, think about the long term, especially with lifetime appointment appointmentships 
that just sounds bad in any job. Like, cause don't we need to check in even if I'm rooting for this person? And then also, I mean, I love, I do love a true crime. I love, I just watched the jinx. I'm late to the party, happy to arrive, <laughs> but watching law, uh, judge or what do you call them? Jurors. Oh my God. Jurors. I'm just like, wait, all jurors should be like lawyers or judges. Like I'm very like, I don't trust the average human to like it's make not these the decisions. average human. It's the people that when you get jury duty, do you want to go? Oh no, never. Yeah, the people on the jury are the ones that want to go. They're like excited that's, to that's be there. They're drama the hats. They feel they feel it's their civic duty. I mean, it's a lot of people like you get called in because you're registered to vote. That is that is part of it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So those are people who are socially aware. They are they do feel like it's part of being a part of a community and being a part of politics is important and you know, I well, mean Well, they tell you that too. It is. It is important. It's just that you know some people have other things that are important too. Like, well, you don't. A lot of people don't want to go. Well, and you don't get like. I mean, a lot of times your jobs won't let you go, even though they legally have to. But we all know what's. I mean, we all know what's up with that. But this is where like I have the internal battle because I think, oh, if in my like I'm president and now all jurors have to be trained judges or lawyers or someone that has a legal like legal mindset and background. But then that causes this like education divide and also like which can then be classism because like just because someone's educated doesn't mean that they're going to have not have biases too or not have any of that. So I mean, again, I see like the pros and cons, but when it's like when you listen to these people after these court cases who go, I just liked him. You're like, oh, no, that's not that wasn't a good reason to to like the jinx (laughs) to like this man because he made you laugh like. Oh, like, I don't know, like, it's, and I know you have like 12 and it should be this and blah, but it's just watching those every time I see court stuff decided by very swayable, regular ass citizens, I'm always like, I feel like someone more trained should decide this as a group of people. But again, I see the flaws in that and I see how that could be like very uh, prejudiced and I, I get, I know it's not a perfect system that I'm suggesting, but I think that could be something to consider uh as a group of law people sure well there's uh, i forget how, where this came up oh steve's reading this book and they were talking about how um we some of it is about like automation and um that sort of thing but you know the idea that we have of like the robots taking over that mm-hmm. sort of thing in terms of them like gaining consciousness in that way yeah. is is not not going to happen for the most part because robots don't need feelings humans need feelings and it's like how we develop like our survivors it's part of our survival skills it's part of the things that we develop because we have to interact with other people robots don't have to do that so they're not going to develop yes. in a way that well, but why would they? Because they don't, they, we make our decisions based on feelings, whether we believe it or not. We like to think of ourselves as being rational and doing right. those things, but all of those are still influenced by feelings. And so I think it would be like this, the, the thing that we can never avoid is that if we are humans acting on things, we are always going to have feelings, biases, 
things that we feel like are our guiding principles, even though we might call them something else. I know tons of people that are like, well, I'm a really logical person. And I've, <laughs> right. I'm like, yeah, but you're but your logic, the way you define logic is defined through your emotional responses to things. So nobody is pure. No one's, no one's fully logical. No one's this, unless you are a robot. So then, then it would be like, well, do we have robots decide, um, trials because they're completely it's. So if we want, if we want a human touch, we always are going to have to account for the fact that people are people, mm-hmm. whether they're yeah. law students, whether they're law degreed, jurors or someone off of the street we are all just as likely to make decisions based on emotions and wrong intel true true see again my system not a perfect system but but also i are there perfect systems no that's i guess that's the i I would say no no there, there can't be there's effective there are systems that are more effective and then you would also have to ask, well, what is the goal of our system too? Because the system, I mean, everyone's like, oh, well, the system isn't working. The system, we don't know if the system is working. The system is actually kind of working just as design. We're just realizing we don't really like the effects of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so it depends on what your goal is. And if we're all, are we all even on the same page about what the goal is of a system? I'm curious if there's any lawyers listening who hear me suggesting that the jurors be a group of lawyers and are going like, no, absolutely not. I'll never win a fucking case if you have like all these people. You know, that's, uh, that's like how they get out of doing it. I think. Mm -hmm. Oh, because you are. Is there like, I'm, I'm, I'm a lawyer and I'm biased against prosecutors or I, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like I'm a, Whatever. I don't, I don't know exactly how. Don't quote me on this. Yeah. I don't know anything about getting out. No, that's for sure. Duty. That's for sure a thing. But I don't know if they're even... I guess they would be allowed to be on juries. Would they even be qualified? I don't know. You can, I, but you wouldn't want... I was going to say, I went in... You wouldn't I, want a lawyer? No. You wouldn't no, want, you wouldn't. If you're a because lawyer, you wouldn't also, want another lawyer. No. Not, not only would they know and or be kind of criticizing your case from that thing they also would be bad in a jury room because they would be saying oh well actually this thing yeah or whatever so you have you don't want to you don't want a room full of lawyers all trying to do the same everybody's trying to argue their case or whatever that's why you have to have regular people but in general i am absolutely in favor of like experts over regular people <laughs> in, in a as a like um what's it called like school of thought or whatever mm-hmm. because it's the same thing that i would say about like yelp to me yelp is like jury jury duty <laughs> or whatever where it's like somebody who has no uh like didn't set out to do this has no uh like pr- passion or pride over being a reviewer or whatever now gets to decide the fate of a fucking small business like, right give me a break oh, give me a break even but me on well, yelp. i know but then, I, 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 is it, uh, is it their fault or is it I actually think the platform should be uh, completely decimated until they make a thing where you actually have to fucking eat there and you actually have to be talking about the restaurant when you're reviewing it. Because, like, so many of the ones I see are, like, they made me wear a mask. And it's like, we also have a hand-washing sink. Are you anti-hand-washing? Like... Yeah. What, what, what do you it's it's not my choice oh my it's the state 
Like, my, you can't come in here mm-hmm. commenting on what the state's making you do. Uh, my hair girl, shout out to Sabina, uh, we were just talking about, you know, again, yeah, they made me wear a mask, they this, and she, again, smart Virgo here, just brought up a good point, she's like, yeah, well, none of us wore clothes until, like, we all decided we're wearing clothes, but you don't see anyone protest, I mean, I guess there's nudists and, like, barefooter people, but overall, society tells us to wear clothes in public and to not be, you know, showing ourselves, and... It's the select, again, selective outrage, selective, like, I'm smarter than this. And it's like, but why only this thing now? Now of all times, because you well, pull that out of your ass. Like a nudist is not trying to go into a restaurant not wearing <laughs> any clothes. They understand, yes. like, the, so it, that's what I mean about, like, with Yelp, where it's like, you, you, the, you shouldn't be allowed to review it unless, A, you can prove that you've actually gone, because I go on a, if you ever need a Yelp review, I'll give you one. I don't care. They mm-hmm. don't make you actually have to use the service. So mm-hmm. I'll give you five stars. I don't give a fuck what you do. Um, but, like, you, you you don't actually have to go. And then you can just be like, oh, well, like, they made me wear shoes. They made me wear a shirt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Well, again, the incentive, the incentive isn't to give a accurate, um, well-intentioned review. The intention, the, the, the thing that is rewarded is just reacting to things. So they're not asking if they wanted this to be a well-informed, useful service, you would have to, you would have to post a picture of what you ate. You would have to show a receipt that this is actually what you did it. So you couldn't encourage your friends to just write you a review. So you just get the number of reviews. They want the number to be higher, not the like quality of it itself, which, you know, I wonder if there'll be, like more accountability because even think of like the origin of so many social media platforms like Facebook used to have to have the college email to use it because it was only intended to like not be for your mom to like start a genocide in like Uganda (laughs) or like whatever parents are doing on Facebook right now and then same with Instagram you used to have to take the picture in app that's why it was Instagram Mm -hmm. and it was like I'm having it's like a photo live diary and now I mean, now Instagram is really, it's really fascinating how it's just become a straight up marketplace. I feel like everything is purchasable now when I'm scrolling, when I'm scrolling through Instagram, like a skirt has the hover with the dollar and I'm like, damn, like a shopping addiction. Like, I just feel bad. Like I'm okay at like, I'm relatively good at like closing out the cart and not going too wild, but like it's rough out there. I don't know how people, like, if anyone has, like, a real, real issues with spending or real issues with, like, impulse shopping. It's just, like, it's fish in a barrel right now <laughs> with, like, Instagram. Like, every moment, everything is for sale. And that just wasn't the original use of the platform. And it's the same thing, you know, like, what gets updated. Like, businesses have quarterly check-ins and you're checking things, what's working, what's good, like, we all know Taco Bell's taking potatoes off menus. There's probably a business strategy there. Still very mad about it. So it's weird we don't do that with, like, a lot of other very influential systems that need, like, everything, and especially in U.S. politics, is, like, sucks because of, like, a shitty rule that no one likes. And it's, like, well, maybe we should update. I, like, let's update this shit. Let's fresh it up. Well, it's the best. It's the it's. 
the ideal of American politics or whatever is supposed to be like individual rights and freedom and stuff. And yet we don't exercise any of our individual uh, ability to like collectively change things or whatever, say like, oh, hey, like we haven't figured out quite how to leverage that into actual power, which is, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it. we'll figure it out. Stalled. <laughs> it's done. It's done. We finished. Another, we did it. Vote for what's your sign? Twenty twenty. Will I know? Please vote. I mean, I'm I'm hesitant to say for whoever you want to vote for. No, uh, no, I'll say it. Fucking don't vote for Trump. Good fucking god. Don't Are you joking? Are you fuck? If but you're gonna vote for Trump, just don't vote, please. Like, just stay. You don't vote. You stay home. Everyone else, and I know yeah. you're not supposed to like. We're not supposed to say who to vote for. We're not supposed to. This is what these ads are like. Go vote. It's like we all know who you're saying to go vote for. Like this is like, uh, it's just like that's the other like. Let's just say let's just call the spade a spade. There's like a fucking dictator, racist, cutting uterines out, uteruses out of people at the board. Like this is all, blah. Sorry. Well, I will say I've been watching a lot of Big Brother, and I will say <laughs> think about your interests. And vote for who you think is best for your game. Like, at the Uh-oh. end of the day, if you're going to get mm-hmm. evicted from the country next week after mm-hmm. the election, maybe you shouldn't vote for the person who's going to evict you. Vote her who's best for your game. Yeah. Not the country yes. or whoever or whatever. Like, who do you really think is representing you? Because if you think about the way you're marginalized, I think you're going to come to the same conclusion that I've come to. Mm-hmm. Here's my, and this is again, this is not saying who or what, because obviously I think that what gets hard for people to vote, and if you're 18 and this is your first election, I'm really sorry it's this, like, in some ways, because it's not, it's not like, I wouldn't say it's an inspiring election, like the ones that maybe we grew up with and we're, you know, starting to think about and be like, wow, cool, but... Yeah, will the country still, like, probably kick out people, whoever wins? Probably, because there's a lot of shitty shit we do as a country, Dem or Republican times. But ideologically, there's a very scary option that is pushing scarier on-the-ground human responses for people to harm people. And, like, I mean, dear God, I just don't know how you get down with that at all. Like, I just don't. For me, it just doesn't compute. So... Just do no harm, and let's. If we can't do no harm, we have to do like the least harm. Harm if we harm can. reduction. Harm reduction. Let's do some harm reduction. Wow, this again, not a political ad, but I keep forgetting because this paid, year paid for by Biden Harris. Oh my god! <laughs> but but also, you know, it's just so like wild about this twenty twenty retrograde ass year. Was since it's this election year, it was going to be like okay, it's going to be election nonstop. I feel like. Besides this le- recently, when all of a sudden it's like, what is it, 50-something, 60? We're close, right? We're getting closer to the election. 40-whatever 40 days. It's like, now we're like, oh, fuck. Now I'm seeing all the votes. Now I'm seeing this. I thought this year was just going to be... I mean, the pandemic took, you know, took first place in the news in the news category. And it's just... It was such a relatively quiet election year. If you know for for the United States, I feel like it's usually non fucking stop info. Yeah, which I think ho- hopefully <laughs> um, will will be an advantage. We'll see. I think it it could go both ways, and Who that's knows? what it's so hard. All of this stuff is just so fucking speculative, and it it. 
that's what sucks. And it feels very Mars retrograde of, of it all because you can't do anything yet until we vote. That's yeah. the only, like, only actual action. I mean, besides absolutely, you know, donate if you're able to, to organizations. I know Act Blue is, is helping to do, um, helping to distribute money in really close uh, Senate and, and congressional races too, because again, it is more than just presidential. Those are things. If, uh, if you have been paying attention to politics long enough, you, you know, that there are, you know, there are these checks and balances and a president is only as, as effective as the, uh, <laughs> congressional and Senate, uh, allows them to be. Uh, so, you know, kind of flipping some of these really contended, uh, seats could be, really helpful too so that is an actionable thing talk to people talk to your friends talk to your family see find out because i also i think that's something that's like not missing it's so hard to have i don't i don't i truly don't understand what like conservative people want mm-hmm. either like that's do you know what i mean like i don't know like so it, to me i'm also like i'm not even sure if you guys are getting what you want mm-hmm. either because i don't know all i know is that it's opposing it's a, it's an opposition, but I don't know what it is that you guys, like what your worldview is or what you hope for the world, what you want, what you value, any of these things. And so I think it is important for us to have conversations with people if we're able to, in a, in a meaningful, um, like soul centered way, because I want everybody to be happy. I know that that's not possible for everybody to get exactly what they want and for us to live in kind of two diametrically opposed worlds. But I don't like that there is a huge section of the country that is feeling like this world isn't working for them either. That's not, that's, that doesn't mean that we're, we're doing things right either. Mm-hmm. I think that there are, are more valid claims that are based more in the reality of what these are. There are perceived kind of, injustices and slights that are getting more voices than others but at the same time like that if you feel like you're being taken advantage of that like i was saying we're humans and we have feelings and and all the that can be just as real for you as someone's actual experience so we can't again we can't be like fuck these people forever they're here well we could truly talk about this forever (laughs) yep just solving the world's problem one house at a time true let's let's talk about what we're here to talk about then uh let's pivot a bit pivot a bit Um, we i mean i feel like the timing is right too we're talking about the eighth house today i don't even know if it's a pivot i feel like (laughs) yeah this is all like voting is all about shared resources right and so is politics like we're talking about where your tax money goes like this is something that this house I think is very concerned with. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that these are all actions. It's it's interesting. And I think why the eighth house is kind of a scary house or an enigmatic house too is, um, you know, we'll get into more of it, but I think this whole, this whole journey of going through the houses has really given me a deeper appreciation and understanding for why they have the meanings that they do and how they interact, but also why there are some houses that do feel more um, out of reach mm-hmm. than, than others. And I think the eighth house is definitely one of those. Um, and I think in the context of what we've been talking about, voting, taxes, systems, those things, is that the eighth house doesn't have any any direct um 
aspecting with the first house. So it's all stuff that you can do that you have uh, influence over, so to speak. But it also is like like voting or paying taxes. You send money off. You don't know exactly. You think you know where it's going. You have a general idea of what you're accounting for. But you kind of are just it's a very one sided sort of thing where you don't get to see a lot of the, the stuff that's going on or a lot of the you, you don't have a lot of one one to one interaction with these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And so I think that scares people and makes people not want to engage with things that they can't kind of see. And we'll, when we get into more of the other significations too, it also makes sense because it's like, why would you put work into something that you aren't seeing how it happens or what the, what the re- direct result is. We like to know, we like to be able to like look at our, bank account and see what the money is and where we spent it and how we did like that's we like being even if you're not like a good organizer in that way we like to know where things are mm-hmm. um and so I think just remembering in terms of this being kind of a scary house I think that my understanding of its relationship to the first house being where we get these significations from um helps it be less scary (laughs) yeah I think that's fair to say I think I also feel that I don't find it scary I but I also have a lot of planets there I think that sure some of the stuff is unknown I guess and is involved with this house so I think there's fear there but I also think that the only the only kind of antidote to unknown is exploration, which is kind of the next house. But I think this mm-hmm. is um, like, you know, some of the stuff is like, yeah, the first time you have sex, you don't know about sex. I mean, you just don't like you, you can you can study it and you can like see it and you can watch it, but you probably don't understand a lot about it. And maybe even the second and third time. But it's like, that's the same for writing a script, right? It's just that it feels more invasive, especially as women. And especially, like, thinking about our bodies. And 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 thinking about, like, right now, thinking about illness. And, and that you can get pregnant. And, like, a, a bunch of different aspects of sex are, it's not. Um, but then once you have done it for a while it's not as scary and it's it kind of feels more like a normal part of your life Mm -hmm. or a normal part of your health or um even if you're like a person who's really seeking it out it still feels like a bit more normalized to me Mm -hmm. there was like a uh I don't know if you guys saw this but on astrology.com where they're talking about like you know keywords of the eighth house they were talking about um the French translation for there's like, I mean, there's orgasm, but there's also the French term for orgasm, the petite more, the, petite little, more, death. the little death of like, you know, or as Wikipedia with a, that moment that is the brief loss or weakening of consciousness, which can be sensationalized with like an orgasm or even like a sneeze or, you know, like those things where you, mm-hmm. you can't really describe how that feels good. And I think that there's some things in all those things of sex and death and money and, uh, like I forgot too that this can get into like 
real estate and like, you know, like these, again, these seen but unseen, these, ta- again, the taboos, like we, what we talk about, what we don't talk about, even politics can obviously go into that, into that realm of what Lisa was saying with shared resources, but also like, it's very deep and it's very like, it's not easy conversations to have about anything revolving around sex, decks, taxes, houses, inheritance, investment, like all that sort of stuff. And for me, for like, for so long, the eighth house, like, I was excited to do this today because I'm like, it is like a house that I don't, not feel connected to, but it is like, what are you? And the same with the 12th house, which is like, though, I mean, these two are like, definitely like, what are you? Houses to me, but thinking about it more and even having our up top combo, it's like, oh yeah, depending on your life situation, certain things might be more illuminated, like your sex life or, you know, your, your relationship to death and, um, and tragedy and also, like, I think, too, it, the mysticism of it all, mag- like, straight up just magic is can be in this eighth house spot, too. So it's, I know the houses can be, like, not annoying, but they can represent so much. But it's also kind of insane and beautiful that astrology was able to put so many realms of life into this wheel. Like, we do cover pretty much, like, the gamut of things you can talk about, things you're, you can deal with, things you can express. And if it's not literally spelled out for you, I'm sure there's a house that you could like, you know, insert. Like the fact that we have houses for small animals and big animals is like, wait, what? That's so, we're so specific. It's, it's just so cool. Well, because everything so. can kind of be organized uh, as an organizing lover to, I mean, you can, there is almost nothing that completely defies categorization there are some things that are easier to like lump together or say oh this goes in this drawer this goes here but more or less I think I think where we see I think eighth and twelfth can kind of be a little bit of the catch-all drawer yeah because it is these are the things where it's like oh well it's not clearly sixth house it's not because that's interesting if we're thinking about it in terms of like why does this go here right why does why is death in the eighth house and not in the sixth house or in the first Whoa. house or something like the dummies book <laughs> tells you exactly why. Oh, and it's one of the things that I really like about this it is the way they break down the houses. It's the complete idiot's guide to astrology and it's dated. So don't maybe buy it used. Um, I mean, do maybe buy it used, uh, but it's the idea of how do we transform physical things into energy which is like insurance taxes how do we like transform our money into energy knowing that you are covered if you go to the doctor because you've paid your insurance every month where it's kind of this transformation of your physical earning into some kind of assurance and energy um and so that's one of the things that they talk about with death too it's about regenerating that energy into something else and whatever you believe in death we all know that at the very least your body feeds the ground or you know what I mean and grass grows and bugs eat it and like you know so that idea of uh, regeneration it doesn't necessarily mean reincarnation I think that's a little bit more 12th house mm-hmm. and and um this I really like that they talk about the reason that sex is in the eighth house is that it's the consummation of marriage, like traditionally, not nowadays, right. but 
that was leading from the seventh house. Mm -hmm. So going to, here's the contract and then here's the consummation (laughs) of this contract. I mean, it's the same. I feel like if we did a blood brothers ritual, that would be Mm -hmm. very eighth house. Yes. Where it's like, we're combined. And which like, I'm please don't do that. Um, because you're not a doctor and we don't, I don't, you don't know. We just don't need to be doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's not do like a DIY transfusion yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's just chill on like, uh, merging bloods. Um, you can do it spiritually in that connective way, but you don't necessarily need yeah, We just lost a big fan base of Dude, blood mergers right now. <laughs> I think if you really, if you really are like stoked on doing some kind of blood thing, Let's get like a, a a shared like period blood bucket. Or oh. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. Or, or do up. it on your own, man. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Safe, safe blood rituals is what we're all about here. <laughs> and con- and consensual and consensual. And yes. I, I like when you're saying of the physical form becoming energy too, because sex can become our energy. Like it can be True. part of our persona. Uh, when if you're a baller like it usually it's I mean unless you're like one of those secret millionaire people usually that does become part of your what you're putting out into the world if you're like a real estate investor mogul person like we can go big level or if you're super spiritual you know blood letter person like yeah like that's like you're starting to feel that stuff that is like also not feelings like it's things that yeah, like all that energy stuff that you're talking about, like really like yeah. click some some neurons here for me. And I think too, I mean, uh, thinking about Mars and Pluto, I think that those two things are very, very sim, like very different and very similar. And you know, it's sometimes it's hard to define why why these things go together. I hope it's something we can explore a little bit more. But I do think sex is one of the areas where you can see both. Mm-hmm. You can see, Absolutely. I mean, uh, there, that is death, rebirth, uh, regeneration. I mean, for sure, all of those things. Um, it's also physical activity. It's also very, you know, you're in your body, which is very Mars to me. And the book also kind of mentions that, you know, this is about intimacy. It's also about things that are subtle, which I think I, like... I've always kind of conflated the eighth and 12th house a lot, but mm-hmm. thinking about the energies of the eighth being more subtle energies where sometimes, you know, something's wrong with someone like you, someone sits down and you're like, Oh, they're having a bad day. Like you can tell from the way their mouth is turned down or maybe they have like some tears in their eyes or something, but the unknown what what's wrong is mm-hmm. the 12th house. Yeah. The, something's wrong and I don't know what is the eighth house to me well I think that there is something so I I didn't get to highlight all of this but I'm looking at the the Robert Hand horoscope symbols again and I really love I think it's it's a continuation of what you're talking about about this material into energy but also vice versa of how material is energy or like our energy we infuse in material too because not I think Sex is the one that's the kind of easiest for people to understand where it's like, it's not just two bodies putting, inserting themselves in each other. It's, there's something that we are exchanging energy. We are doing this. And so when you stop, if you stop having sex with someone, you are literally no longer putting your body, smashing your bodies together, (laughs) but you feel a loss in a different way. And I think that that's where 
death comes to because it's not losing someone, someone dying isn't just, you're not lamenting the loss of a physical body. You are lamenting the loss of who this person was to you, what that impact, but also what materially happens too. And I think that's where inheritance comes into where it's like, here, here is the energetic and physical consequences of your life. You, you lived a life and therefore you accumulated stuff and there's things. And now you're, your spirit leaves, but we still have to like deal with the shit you left. We still have to do these things or all of that stuff. But I think that one of the things that I really like about Robert Hand's discussion of this is that this house is also a lot about attachment and what that means for us, because it is like, if you're too attached and how, and how that limits transformation in, one way or the other we might be attached on a physical level or we might be attached on a spiritual level but in order one thing has to give in order for us to transform and move on to the night mm -hmm. because if we're weighed if we are literally weighed down by too much stuff we can't travel super far um and also if we are attaching too much like energetic meaning to things we're also limiting our growth in that way too because mm -hmm. we aren't seeing we, it's that separation of like, what is, what can I take with me and what can't I? Even that literal thing is what they say about death is like, you can't take it with you. Yeah. Sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Like when you're go, whenever we're crossing, crossing thresholds, something must be left. Yeah. Well, that's even just the opportunity to change your mind is the ninth house, right? This sure. eighth is so invested in, you know, these relationships that can be very chemical too. Like sex releases, like it's not, Absolutely. I know people are like, it's just sex. It's like, if it was that easy, if it was that easy, wouldn't we all just be like bumping uglies? We'd just be around fucking each other. Because <laughs> it would feel good and it would be fun. Right. And, and it would be, it would be nothing. It'd be no attachment. And we can be not attached people, but physically, chemically, that's not, that's out of our control. And same with well, death, that chemical this, the, release that's, Death. That is death. What is this? We don't really know. I mean, your organs shut down. But... I think too biologically, we are conditioned to become attached, and and mm -hmm. maybe that is not you know uh, intellectually, maybe not so much. So I think there there is stuff that you can say. Oh, like intellectually, I know that. Like I know it's happened to me, and I don't know if like this works for queer relationships. I have to think about it. But, like, where it's happened to me where I've been, like, why am I still thinking about this person? Like, that, I, like I don't like them. Like, I don't want to, like, be with them or whatever. But I've, like, had sex with them. So I feel a, a connection in a way. And it's, like, I mean, biologically, as far as, like, a procreation standpoint, you're you're protecting yourself with your brain, right? By being, like know who that person is in case like you need to raise a child with mm -hmm. them. Like remember well, that they exist in case you don't get your period this month. Like, mm -hmm. well, pheromones are, I think, you know, ge like gender beyond like pheromones and smells. And those, again, those unseen things of intimacy and sex are like, I mean, are very like, real and very there. And even too, with like money, like money, this is like endorphin type shit. Like money does yeah. release that high. And I think this is where, I know the fifth house gets like, you know, gambling and games and things, but I think the eighth, eighth house too, like with investments and things, there is risk. And with love and death, there's also risk. 
of like, will I get hurt or will I fucking die because I'm chasing this thrill? Um, well, it's less, it's the thing of like, I'm investing material sources. Cause I would say we do have to practice some level of attachment if we are alive because we're here in a physical body. Mm-hmm. So you have to, we, we are attached to something, but it's like, oh, I'm choosing to put my, I'm choosing to invest my money with someone on a good faith interaction. And it's that unknown thing that we're doing. It's not the actual like money itself. It's our agreement that we are both, uh, you know, striving for the same goal. And I think that that other thing too, about the eighth house is that it is, you know, now that we've talked about other houses, we can talk a little bit about derived houses from this. It's the second house from the seventh house. So that's why it's in opposition to our first, the second house from the first house, the second house, because it's like stuff that we have. Right. And also in that equation, we can all be, you know, we're all making this podcast together, but each of us has our own life. We can never really know. Yeah. We can never really know what another person is thinking, what their, what their motivations are, what they are feeling about this investment that we have made jointly. And therefore there's always some risk or, or turning ourselves over. And that's, I think, again, sex is a really literal way of saying it. Like, mm-hmm. and I think, I think. you know, it, it, it's, it, it, you are turning yourself over to someone in a, in a sense and trusting and hoping that they aren't going to take advantage of that vulnerability that you're giving. I think too, with financial risk and gambling and uh, maybe not numerically, but almost like, the eighth house is halfway from the fifth to the twelfth, almost not exactly uh, mathematically, but it's it's on the way, right? And I think that talking about regeneration, I mean, addiction is a cycle of regeneration in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. especially when you're in it and you're not, you know, sober or trying to be out of it. It there is a lot of parts where you're like, okay, like I just have to get through to the next fix or Mm -hmm. like with gambling like okay like I'm gonna make it back on this next pot like I'm gonna whatever and so it is that like where maybe it's not um it's not real it's not like you're actually gonna make it back on the next pot but like it's that regenerative mind frame that you get stuck in that you get trapped in that can create addiction so while I think substance abuse is normally put in the 12th house or with Jupiter I do think Pluto has that same kind of uh, cycle there. Yeah. Well, they're square each other. They're it's a succeed. It's another succeeding mm-hmm. fixed house. And in order for you, like I think it's like the way that you get out of one of those cycles is through a change or a, a, a letting go of an attachment somewhere, whether that be the ego attachment or the actual. I'm no longer putting my physical resources into that it still is that square of like fifth house uh fifth house desire personal thing and then the kind of like material spiritual outcome of it in the eighth well i also saw in the book that they they refer to this as the one of three mystical houses which Mm -hmm. are the fourth the twelfth and the eighth totally which are all the which ones? The water no. houses. The waters. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. All the feeling. So, all the. All it just. I feel this. This feels right. Which is 
I mean, it, it's interesting, again, thinking of the eighth-second dichotomy because the second's very, like, my stuff, what I need, what's going to feel good for me, like, this is about me. And then eventually, if you do want partnership or whatever, it doesn't have to be traditional partnership either, then you do have to, like, not everyone's going to have the same sex drive. Not everyone's going to have the same finances. Not ever like, more likely than not, you will have very different, you know, opinions or... Di- like if you're going to be the exact same on all those things, that's like, it's rare. Like we just know that from dating, right? Like that's like not always the case. It's interesting too, like thinking about the fourth house because I hadn't really considered it as part of this. Yeah. But you know, uh, your inheritance is, is heavily related to that fourth house. And and the fourth house being mystical too. It's like, I think cancer, cancer don't, doesn't get that enough, but it is a thing where you're like, isn't it kind of wild that you're just born and these are just the people you live with for 18 years? Like, totally. That's, a, that's totally mystical. Like, that you don't know what your baby's going to look like until it comes and, like, all that kind of stuff. Where And especially as, like, the stereotypical mother figure. Like, I think all of that feels very mystical. And I think even, we, we discount it. Even mm-hmm. the idea of, like, you decide to, in some cases, not in all cases, but let's say you have made the decision to get pregnant, to carry a child to term and raise it. That's all you, that's the only thing that you can really attach yourself to. You don't know anything about this kid. You don't know what it's going to be, what the thing is like. And you, as the kid, you had no, you didn't get to choose. I mean, there's some debate about that from like a spiritual sense, but like you just got born. You didn't mm-hmm. like it's not it's not your choice or whatever, but there's these now now you are born, whether you wanted to be or not, and now you have to live the consequences of a material existence. Well, and on the flip, say if you're um adopted too, like that still like goes into sure. this whole cycle process of like, yeah, you're born from whoever, and now your like life circumstances are now due to this home environment and it's gonna set like a, mm-hmm. at least the beginning phase course of your life and possibly after with inheritance. I know this one guy, I'll keep it anonymous, who was adopted by a super rich family, like mega fucking loaded. And then he met his bio parents like years later. And it turns out they were fucking loaded too. They were just like 13 year olds. And then so he had like Whoa. double rich inheritance, like jackpot on jackpot. And it's like, I know that that is not the normal, like the normal situation, but it's just like, it's just like in so wild to think of like, would my life have been that different? It's like, of course it would have been very different, but it's interesting what things are the same or what things end up sure. lining up to. I don't well, know. I think, I think ultimately if we're talking about attachment as a spiritual exercise and that is the highest non-attachment is the highest level of enlightenment. That's what we're all striving for is to, I mean, I don't know if that's what we're all striving for, but that's what spirituality I think teaches Mm-hmm. No matter what kind of spirituality you are practicing, there is some level of teaching non-attachment. So it is like we, for better or worse, derive meaning from circumstances that happened completely with nothing to do with us. And yet we still uh, inherit feelings about that. Um, we make we have thoughts and choices that are made based on what we believe that means about who we are as people, as some if you are adopted, whether you you can have the you know adoptive parents that are super encouraging and super open about these things, and it's impossible to not um, like 
take on some of that about your personal like value or whatever. And, you know, even that's maybe a more like touchy, <laughs> like, uh, it's complicated. Interpretate. Yeah, it's complicated. But even that it's like the way that we can, if we can get rid of as much of the complication as possible and open us up to the possibility that what if we, what if we came from two, what if there were two absolutely wealthy, amazing families that came from us, but that only comes from being willing to let go of what that means to come from someone that you're scared of or whatever, and go to that next step and find out who they are. You could find out something brilliant. You could find out something painful, but it's that, that not attachment to the current reality that you're in and the willingness to step over that threshold and find out what's there and not allow it to like stop. It's always allowing yourself to continue growing and taking that next step. And the fourth house, again, it's like, can be this place we're born into, right? And we can change the direction of our home life in the future. But that feels now very eighth house because like, you know, maybe we grew up like not with any, not with finance, like good financial state. And then we marry rich or we find investors for our business or we just know that I don't want to fucking be poor anymore. So I'm going to like work hard and do, you know, not to make it bootstrappy, but I'm going to like invest in the stocks or find people that get money investors or do like the eighth house is like, you could change the story. Like it is still Mm -hmm. tied to family, but it doesn't have to be that way forever. And there's influence from it, right? Like it's hard to like, that usually is just the case with family. I think, I think that's, especially relevant in addiction too. Like you Mm -hmm. see stories all the time of people who grew up with parents that struggle with addiction in like substance abuse or other ways. And like often, I mean, we are pretty aware medically that some of that stuff is genetic, but you see people that either bite it so hard because they've had a hard life because of it, or they just can't get out of the cycle. And so it's kind of that, same thing where it's like you can change you can make a a conscious decision and 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 get out of a bad financial situation or get out of a addictive house or you know make a choice I'm never gonna touch x y or z drug alcohol whatever but some people don't make that conscious choice and so it is kind Mm -hmm. of the a thing where it's like well it's the same nature nurture thing is this because of where I grew up? Is this because of I have a super strong will? Is that like, how did and where did and why did and and no one has the exact answer. We can obviously look to things that have been influential and look to other things in the chart that might indicate, hey, you're maybe you're Taurus, you're real stubborn about this kind of thing. And so you never let them, you never let yourself try whatever thing. Uh, Or maybe it's maybe it's something else. Maybe Maybe you're ninth house and or like a Sagittarius and you kind of could see it from all angles. So you never wanted to try that thing or I don't know. I think that we can explain and find different ways, but this house, that's what makes this house kind of unknown to me. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's like the, the key to it. And I think addiction is a really good example in there too, is the like where where do we have a choice that we can make? And that's, we don't have a choice in our fourth house. We don't have a choice in where we came from. We don't have a choice in who our family is. We don't have a choice in, you know, there's a lot that we don't have a choice in. And it's 
about figuring out, I think the like key to all eighth house matters is figuring out where do we have agency. Mm-hmm. Well, and and it, that's yeah, where we and then that's like what Steezy said thing. that like, you know, inheritance. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um, I've inherited a barking dog. Um, <laughs> but inheritance and, you know, finding someone to support a business venture not every inheritance comes from family. Mm-hmm. We see, I mean, everyone still knives out, you know. I think oh my God, like, that is my dream. Okay, that <laughs> is my dream goal is to befriend a nice old person that is not my stingy ass family. And to like, just tr- like, that. Uh, that's like truly my, that's like, that's the stuff I want. That's, that makes Charm me happy. into an inheritance. <laughs> I would, I think I'd be, if anyone has a good contender, uh, old person out there that I could charm. And if you're like, wait, why wouldn't I just charm them for myself? Not everyone has the gift, baby. So like, let me just, I'll give you a finder's fee if, you know, we can negotiate this. But I think I could really like befriend a nice old person and, um, and it wouldn't be necessarily all for the money. It could just be for the love. But if that got added on top, I'd be a happy camper. Oh, truly my, I love Knives Out. Really enjoyed Knives Out. True Dream. Also controversial movie. Has anyone seen BAPS? Mm. <laughs> no, but I'm familiar. Okay. Black American Princesses yeah. with Halle Berry, Walter Matthau. Basically, she be- goes to LA to audition for Music Video Girl of the World then these like this like rich white nephew is like i need you to pretend to be my uncle's long just like like he doesn't know you're his granddaughter because he was trying to be he's a white man who was with a black woman back when it was illegal and so i need to pay you to be his friend basically and the whole movie is a romp where they go shopping for rap cds and like go to the club and it's like it's very campy probably problematic but also uplifting i don't know like again i'm not here to fully review but i think that's very there's a lot of eighth house and again going in with like what is family what's merging and also they just you can just tell Halle Berry and Walt Matthau got so much out of their relationship together it was just like a very again in BAPS it's comp it's a comp eighth house it wouldn't be a suggestion if it wasn't a little bit complicated of like of is this uh exploitative probably in many ways but also where it's again where's the power here like there's like a a, an ebb and flow of what this is Uh, well one of the things that robert hand talked about is that these eighth house energies can sometimes feel kind of like faded and um Mm. destined or those sort of things and i think that that comes from his his take on it was that this comes from a place of misunderstanding where the kind of like material and spiritual um, crossover. And I'm started on your recommendation, been listening to the Demi Moore autobiography and <laughs> it's, it's great. Yeah. Um, but she was, her she life was, was her life building up to her, like starting acting is just like, what the fuck? It's, it's one thing after another, but she was quoting, um, a lot of recovery kind of phrases and the one of uh, the one that to me feels the most appropriate for this is like if you do things the same way that you've always done them you'll get the same results mm-hmm. and so I think that there is a part of the eighth house that is can be um, on the like quote-unquote self-sabotage side because it feels like well I came from this you know again I hate we just talked about all this stuff and I don't want to get bootstrappy in that way either, but it is that like, well, I came from this thing. I don't know any better. I've never seen this thing. 
but like, where can we still, uh, like, I think it just suggests you know trying I mean? something di- like different because We're we can, have to, yeah. we can get fixated, I think in this house and go, why isn't this working? And then again, that's when we go to the ninth house that goes, well, why don't we learn more about what we're trying to do? Why don't we change our mind? Why don't, Mm -hmm. I mean, again, this is, if we think about it as a, I know, you know, whatever. If we think about this as a scorpionic Plutonian house, are they known for changing their mind? No, they're known for like being like, fuck it. It's over. Burn it down if it's not working. And when we are dealing with the realms of sex, death, and money, Burning it down isn't usually like, I'm going to say that's usually risk, again, risky uh, way to go about these sorts of things. That's why we, again, we move into the ninth house. So yeah, it's not to bootstrap and say, if you just did it differently, it would work. That's not, that's not a guarantee, but it is an invitation to say we can get fixated and attached to degrees where we can't see what we're doing anymore. So let's just try to pivot our mindset just a hair if things are feeling stagnant well, for it's you that, it's that great thing the same in tarot eighth house one of the significations is death but there are still there's still a whole almost half of a circle left it's right not the well, end. Mm-hmm. well like i think I, the, the book actually mentions that it's about it's not about um it's about like death. the mystery surrounding that, but it's not about when you're going to die. Yes. Right. And I also exactly. think that um, for, for like uh, doing the same action and getting the same result, I think is yours Capricorn? Because that to me is very Capricorn. I have Taurus in the eighth. Oh, okay. That's and very so Taurus also, as so well. <laughs> action oriented, result driven. Very, um, very and you're saying about not trying new things. Also, I very much resonate with that as a um, a self. I'll say I hate I hate what I'm about to say because I feel like it gets thrown a lot. But like a self limiting belief mm. of like, well, I'm not even going to try. I'm not trying to get good at that, or like I don't like that. Thing, you're downplay downplaying. Like, like the maybe importance or like yes the stakes or we're keeping the stakes low air quotes low but it's like it's not actually low I'm just if I go better than what I just said then it's like yay versus like shooting for the stars and then you go a little below the stars and you're like Ugh. or yeah. even the idea of like there's value in trying something that you did. you might find out you like something that you didn't know you liked you know mm-hmm. watching uh watching pen 15 and <sighs> thinking about like just like clubs and stuff that I could have tried as when I was younger or what I, or thinking about, you know, in, in so many conversations we've had about thinking about things that I just like cut myself off from because I didn't see, I was like, Oh, I maybe could have been really good at that. I might've really liked mm-hmm. that or found out that I have a skill at this and I'll like just that. So that Taurus in the eighth very, very much fits well, for me and in terms of being just kind of stubborn. And that's V. I mean, and if you think of it as Venus, it's protective and very Taurian of your stuff. And when we, again, that's not encouraging that risk of transformation because it's like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it in a lot of ways. Yes. You know, that's, that's where Taurus can come at from like, I mean, pretty much for every, like, you know, self-drag for like most things. Well, and I think for me, it's also that same of like, you know, I have my dyslexic, dyslexic chart which also feels like 
being attached to, I don't want to say the wrong things, but feeling like uh, that to me also fits with some kind of feeling about their like not needing to like hoard some sorts of resources, but not being very open and very burn it down with other things. But these other, this other kind of unknown uh, intangible things needing to be kind of more stingy with those and more protective and less and having more attachment to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I did like, have like yeah. a slight prompt yes, and it was prompt. hard to write a prompt for this actually. And now I probably would totally have a different one after our conversation, but whatever. <laughs> um, but this is like, it's very, it's kind of a vague prompt because again, I was like, what is life? But it was just, do you merge like your house rule or ruling plan? Do you, and again, merge whatever it can be. And if merge is like, what the fuck do you mean? Then I also just went there and said, or do you fuck like this sign too? Just because I was like, I don't know. Like, here's dealer's choice. Like, are we merging or fucking, which again, can be very similar to our house, our ruling house placement sign thingamabob, what have you, for our eighth house? I think that for me, I... What do you got, Lisa? What's your... Well, my eighth house, the cusp is actually Sagittarius, which is not a sign that I think about very often. And then I think it's clouded because I have three planets there, but in Capricorn. Mm -hmm. So I think it becomes a little bit murkier Mm -hmm. for me. Um, But in whole sign, that is a ninth house stellium. Mm. And so the last reading that I got... Um, was in whole sign and the way that the reader was kind of talking about the ninth house I was like okay I can see how some of the things that I've attributed to the 12th house are now in the ninth house and some of the things that I've attributed to the eighth house maybe feel like they're in the first house or or other things kind of got moved around in in my brain um I don't I think I can be limitless. I think I can be uh, maybe too forgiving in in some of my eighth house matters, or I let things go, like thinking about like death and merging and all that kind of stuff. I'll let things go that I shouldn't sometimes because I can intellectualize someone else's perspective, or uh. I could say, well, we could just do this forever. Why should I keep fighting it? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'm thinking about like fights with family or whatever, where it's like, well, I could say you said this and you could say I said this and we can just keep going and going and going. And that feels a little Sagittarian. Um, But I do think because there's three houses in or three planets in Capricorn as well, I do feel some of the restrictive nature of the eighth house as well, where I feel like maybe that's a good balance to strike there because I feel like there is limitless and restriction. You have Ooh. Jupiter and Taurus, mm-hmm. so it would be you would still have then the ruler of, and is it in your, is it in, depending on whatever the is it, house. Is it in the twelfth? Yeah, that makes sense that it would still feel somewhat like I think that combination of all of those things makes sense for everything that you've said, especially if it the moving the shifting and the going back and forth between kind of like twelfth first. And all my stuff eighth, in, in the eighth is ninth. retrograde too. So maybe that inability to access or being able to access so much maybe feels like mer- everything feels murkier in that way because everything's retrograde. 
I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, because even if it's no, like these cap placements, it's still again in this. The eighth isn't always clear about like what we're trying to do. It just can be very, I don't know, yourself and what's feeling right. And I, I like thinking of like the Sag ruler because I think you're, I just like in your conversation do about anything, I think you do tend to like set us be like the, they do this, but I'm sure they, this, like it can like, it can go into that like, well, what it's not just going to be just what I'm presented. It's going to be things beyond what I'm even seeing or what they're experiencing. I think you're very like smart and aware of like the bigger picture. Very sad, right? Like well, it's not just this. Those things are all trying with planets in the, I have three planets in the 12th house that are all trying with three planets in the eighth house. So right. of course, of course they in, influence each other or feel connected to each other or, yeah, of course I'm going to try to see from other people's perspective. I mean, I guess not everyone with those would, but it feels like maybe I'm able to get there more easily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. No, that totally... I I definitely think that that makes sense. Um, I think... I don't know if I fuck like my eighth house, but... <laughs> Maybe. I do uh, not know what I fuck like, and I don't want to know. <laughs> I have no desire to think about it. I will, like, That's very oh, no to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, good. I don't want to know. I not know. Um, no, I definitely do think, though, that I merge that way, and I'm doing a slight self-read, but I do think kind of echoing what I was saying about that, like, Taurus... Um, protective stubborn mm. thing I think that I do I do merge at arm's length mm. in a way where I'm very and it it could be it it might not be perceptible necessarily because I have Scorpio in the second which is very mergy and very mergy in like all of the ways yeah but with but with that merging that which I feel is kind of inconsequential versus this eighth house kind of more on that like spirity level, the more vulnerability, the more, um, well, you, you know, you do have that, that you do have that flip that's still like your othering and merging is in that place of more like self grounded desires. And then the place that's more mergy it is ruled by this place that's more self. So it's like you have this yes. kind of like, space time continuum I'm doing like a weird flowy gesture with my hands yes. of like like up is down but they're still they still like going in up and down <laughs> well and it's that thing of like oh well I'm their best friend but they're not my best friend right uh that kind of like that's the the most the the like um the phrasing or like the energy that that thinking about Taurus in the eighth conjures for me um, and so I think it's that, and it's something that I'm actively working on now that kind of like, oh, well, where am I holding back or being fixed about giving, turning myself over in that way, sharing all of, I guess, sharing, I guess also being kind of like talking about it with the eighth and the fourth too, of having like Capricorn and Taurus and not feeling like a, a sharer. Yeah, I mean, I'm also not a great... I, I think it's the same kind of feeling for me as Sag and Cap. I'm over generous, and then I'm like, no well, more. We're done with you. And, like, 
My mom they, always tells this story about like, oh, yeah, we gave you and your brother both 20 bucks and then you spent yours on stuff for him and then he spent his on stuff for him. Mm-hmm. And and like, you know, but we don't I don't do that anymore. I learned from it. So it's like, you know, I can be like so- that. The, there is, like, an independence and a personal, um, like, not separation necessarily, but that idea of, like, okay, well, I, I handle it. I'm in control. I, I, I make this decision to either forgive someone or whatever, but I permit this to continue, or I'm the one who exits. And right. I think I feel the same, a similar thing, too, with that Taurus, where it's like, oh, well, I just, I, I make the decisions about what I can and can't withstand or tolerate or whatever and I don't necessarily let you in on what those decisions are but I'm it is like a control kind of thing what about you Stevie so my eighth house is Aquarius and I feel like it's pretty on brand I guess like thinking about all this stuff where when I think about like my second house being like a the Leo house for me I'm I'm am very like me first like I yes I will care about I do care about the group, but also like, I, you know, mama's going to eat first. And, but, but the eighth house, I think I am like weirdly traditional in many ways, but also when I start being traditional, I like question everything and then try to like escape or like, you know, pull the emergency cord. So I think that's like that very Saturn Uranian kind of dance that happens with Aquarius energy. That's like, I want to follow the rules. Oh no, I'm doing that. I hate this. And it's like very, like it can then sort of fail but I think I am very like intuitive in like uh I like bringing people together I'm a great wing woman I'm like really good at like I've like made so many people like hook up like and not made I mean geez that sounds a little forceful but like I've like been really good at being like that person like I've forced (laughs) I've forced fucks before but I'm I'm like a good collaborator and producer in that sense of like or even if I know two people who I think would be good to work together, I'll like randomly give them each other. Like, I mean, I'll check with them, but I'll be like, Hey, you should know this person. Cause I just feel like you'll have a good working relationship with them. Or like they're, you're doing the sort of same thing. Like I'm just, a, I like connecting in that Aquarian sort of bigger picture sort of way and fucking, I mean, probably a little bit. I think I like, there was a like I like being on drugs I guess when I have sex which is maybe I don't know if that's Aquarian but also I am just so in my mind like all the time like my mind is like I wish I just was like straight up a horny person because it's very it's very mental I mean I am like not opposed to like having sex like this is again the like the Saturn of it like I think I should have regular sex because it's good for your like health and it's good for uh like your physicality and it's good for connection even if maybe it's not mind-blowing because like for me to get to a mind-blowing place and this is like every partner I've ever had or sex partners in general like like it's like I don't know it's like it needs to be cosmic timing and the lighting's just right and the music's perfect and like I'm just the right amount of buzz and I'm just the right amount of feeling myself and so to get to that perfect kind of mad scientist Aquarian levels isn't easy for me in a, like a very emerging way. But when it strikes, it strikes. And I'm also not opposed to the like the Saturnianness of like, dude, sometimes mama just needs to have a quickie too and just like get the, like have the process of having like, like orgasms or having the process of just getting stimulated even to like, again, then know what we like. Then we know what things are 
are clicking and, and working for us. Um, so yeah, I really, I really, I, and also Colin Bedell told me something very interesting about my eighth house that I think can apply maybe for anyone who's looking into compatibility, because I think for so long I've been like, why do I keep dating Aquarian and Aquarian, um, people? And, you know, of course we look at Venus and we look at our seventh house and blah, blah, blah. And then it's, he's like, oh baby, it's all about the eighth house, like compatible, like some place people forget about compatibility. So this hot tip from our dear love queer cosmos so not to say only fuck people that have your eighth house ruler sign but i think it could be an interesting place to know what you value in relationship sort of things like for the progression of a relationship i think it's those things that we don't know that we value but actually we do or that because i was thinking about it when you were talking about sex specifically um but I don't think it is is limited to sex, but I think it's that, like, what is a thing that we don't, wouldn't necessarily be on, like, on our list, but we realize through trial and error, like, oh, this is, is a important. condition that needs to exist in order for me to feel safe to turn myself over. Like, what is it? And I think that thinking, for me, thinking about Taurus, it is, it is very, like, uh... There needs to be some kind of like dependability or safety or something, or even like knowing that someone else is being kind of stubborn for themselves. Like if I feel like I have to take care of you too, then I can't turn myself over to you to take care of me because you can't take care of you. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like that thing of, of that. And I could see that being a similar, a similar Sag and Aquarius kind of thing too, of like, I, uh, we can't go bigger if you can't handle this this thing. Mm-hmm. I think too that the idea of like the unspoken agreement in the sexual realm is going away for sure. It's not mm-hmm. gone, but I think that when we were growing up, that it absolutely consent wasn't a conversation the way it is today Mm -hmm. and so I think that that seventh house leading into eighth house stuff is all very like oh this is this is interesting because like we didn't we skipped that we didn't do the contract not the contract but that uh verbalizing or the the is this okay that that, that came about later in my development mm-hmm. and not like I definitely had have had conversations with people I've slept with and I've had my own conversations about consent with partners and stuff like that but it wasn't as cut and dried as it is today oh. so I think that that's a very interesting um uh I don't know no that I, is you no know, I love that as like a modern signification change I don't I think that sex still belongs in the eighth house as it as it relates but you see but where the, con- it's, it's, the consent conversation new. belongs in the seventh house to me yeah. so I think that we often skipped that or we use whatever as our indications for well, it well now a lot of people of our generation are merging like never before like it's not unusual for to meet friends who've been together eight plus years or what have you are basically common law married and they're not they didn't they don't have a contract in place and you've merged a lot of time money and resources investments I mean this is the issue that like Pablo hates me about is that I'm very like 
Okay, I have the receipt of the couch we bought. So in the in the situation that we demerge, like this is the va- I have like a spreadsheet of things that are high value, like in our sure. in our home. And he's always like, "Why are you doing this?" And I'm like, "Again, I'm very like because this is like we're it's like we had made a contract, but bro, like we're basically made a contract. We like straight up live together. We share all these resources. It's weird to not." talk about that sort of stuff or at least for me and or it's not scary to talk about that for me like yeah maybe it's like the wild Aquarian Uranian energy that's like I'm also a kid of divorce like I've seen what happens when you don't talk about anything and go well well your mother said and it's like oh okay that's that's not that doesn't hold up in a court of law and so I think it is we are a lot of our generation is skipping to eighth and merging and now that we have to again label we talk about in the seventh house now that we have to label or this but maybe we should have some guidelines and some and some contracts, whether it's it doesn't have to be legal marriage contracts. It could just be in the event of our demerging, here is like a working contract list of things that we've bought together, things that we've had together, well, you know? It's the same thing too with I mean, I come from a family that does a lot of business together. So it's there's a lot of contracts that I you know, have signed or know what, where or mm-hmm. how to, whatever, in case someone blah, blah. Right. Um, but, you know, I think it's the same thing of, like, if you, and de- speaking of death again, and I'm like, not, I don't mm-hmm. want to say you because I, I don't mean you, but, like, if someone dies, mm-hmm. it's good to have a receipt that the government can't take your couch. Or, like, that, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, like, not your well, couch, but... Because no, my, I love they my couch. To. I don't want they my couch to, take to go it. away. And they, yes. they do not want you to have it. And they do not want Pablo to have it. And they don't want me to have it. Mm-hmm. And they and want they, it. And, and by God, they are not getting it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also, this is a, per, I think that's a perfect parallel or a perfect like lead in in the same, uh, same thing as that, like the couch, because it is also, that's an uncomfortable conversation that you need to have with someone because we don't like the idea of thinking about our loved ones dying it's or leaving or, or things leaving, getting bad and yeah but but even in an absolute and I don't know if this is the best case I'm not saying this is the best case scenario for everyone because I know what I'm about to say is going to sound awful to some people but even in like a, a marriage situation the best case scenario is that you're together until one of you dies like right. that is what the someone it is going to end at some point you hope it's not in one of these other ways but you make those contingency plans because you want it to honor what you like what your goal was spiritually for your material existence if you lived a light and you never talked about what you wanted with your body after you die or what all all of these kinds of things right it's like well what now we know okay if something were to happen to stevie like that couch needs to be cared for like yeah. no that's not that's not a couch that you just give to goodwill that's and one that we put up on that the might change that and those change. things yeah. need to get updated and we need to be yes. more comfortable talking about them and that's the same thing as the consent conversation where mm-hmm. sometimes something that felt good yesterday actually kind of hurts today so we need to talk about that hey this isn't okay today or or hey, check in with me before we do this again. And and that's not just sexually. That's everything to do with the coronavirus. That's everything to do with, you know, where you want to live and all of those kinds of conversations that are difficult to have. It's not just, okay, well, I'm really clear in my sexual boundaries and um, this is this and that's that. And I have it can my change. will and testament well, and we're done. And then you don't ever get to the ninth of 
growth and I'll, I'll, we're not going to get too much into it too. But if you hear someone give you an updated consent and then you don't listen to it, that's the death of a, uh, uh, an exchange in a way. Yeah. Or like, yeah, you, you guys are no longer doing like, if you aren't willing the to contract detach, is null and void. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you aren't willing to update your attachments as the person on the receiving end of any of these things too, you also both are going to like stagnate in some way if we aren't able to say, oh, well, this is their, th- this is their feelings about this. This has nothing to do with what I said or did or my value or my whatever. It's all of these things of like, where do our value intersect with other people's uh, interpretation of that? Mm-hmm. And it's all real. I I love it. And I'm going to be thinking about it for ages. Look, I really want to buy a desert tortoise and you, those things live That's for a commitment. hundred plus a years commitment. and you can't buy a desert tortoise without knowing where that tortoise is going to go next. Like you have yes. to like maybe find someone younger in your family or friends or someone that like can tag team out. Right. That has maybe another 40, 50 plus years they could take for this tortoise. But it is one of like those things that you, if you're buying it and not thinking about how long this thing is probably going to live after you. Same with birds. Oh, damn. Like parrots and stuff. One of my regulars always was like, don't ever let anyone give you a parrot. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, don't ever let anyone give you a parrot. He's but like, you, they live forever. I that lesson I'm like, hard what way. the hell happened to you? I've had this curse. I've had a cursed <laughs> parrot for a hundred years. <laughs> can you imagine that cursed parrot has they the voice of their... 95 years. Can you imagine the cursed parrot has the voice oh. of their owner and it talks to you, their dead owner and is like, nah, yeah. put the beer in the fridge. Or like, whatever the yeah. fuck the owner previously what, what, said. Yeah, one of the Heinz lives for 95 years. That's what I'm saying, but you can't get those things, again, that merging partnership with you and your tortoise or you and your parrot without considering who's going to, where will you go after I'm gone? And same with, I mean, God, even if, say, your marriage does last until you're 80, 90 something years old, and your person, maybe you're, like, for me, for my grandmothers, who I have both still, they don't, I don't think they know how to, like, pay bills. Like, and I don't know when, and I, I've, I have both mm-hmm. sets of grandparents. I have both grandmas and both grandpas, which I know like super rare getting older. And I'm like, I really don't know if they know what to do. Like, but they haven't had to even have that conversation yet. Cause they're both, they're all cockroaches like sticking around and, and what have you. But that is something to think as you merge your lives of like, they could leave at any moment, like because of choice or because of circumstance. And so, like, where do you want to be if that ends? Because I don't want to be fucked. No one wants to be fucked. I mean, like, good sort of fucked, yes. But bad sort of fucked, no. So it's, it's just those hard conversations you have to have. What you have to do with sex, with money, with death. You have to go, what if blank. You have to imagine the taboo. But then, if you want to come, you got to tell someone where yep. to touch you. If it's, yep. weird, it's weird, but then you get it works. to come. It works. Like, that's the... <laughs> If you, those are the things you might, it might just work out. It might, you might just happen upon it. And it might, I mean, I've certainly had that happen where you're like, oh, I didn't, we, they don't always have to be a sit down negotiation of that sort of thing. But if you, if you want to come, you got to say this, I, I don't like this. I do like this, all of those things. And that's, I think that's the, the lesson of the eighth house is like, in order to get the orgasm of whatever in life it does, it is going to require some uncomfortable conversations and, and, uh, concessions. Mm -hmm. 
So with these plans too, I think something maybe we have maybe skipped in talking about the eighth house too, especially now that we're going to run through the planets real quick, is while all this merging and tough conversations could, dare I say, should happen, the eighth house isn't going to easily do that either. I think a lot of the times when we have placements Mm -hmm. in the eighth, it's guarded, it's shouted in a little bit of mystery, a little bit, like all this stuff that we're talking about is doing it in the most transparent way, which isn't, I don't think the default eighth house style. So um, take that grain of salt with you, what you will. I think sometimes with eighth house placements, just from talking to people with eighth house placements, it's like, yeah, I could access and do all this eighth housey stuff, but it's hard. I mean, this is like heavy stuff to to deal with and think about. So I think, um, you know, blessings to my eighth house people. Anywho, so the sun. So think since eighth house is really about, again, all this merging, I think of this as like a real lifetime for like leveling up. And also really wanting to have your direction be part of like this message as a whole. So like, let's say you like work hard to become an art curator or something, right? It's then being like, okay, I want to then be the director of art curation in this. It's like always wanting to take what we're interested in to a deeper level and the highest level. Um, And I think also having everything kind of relate back to this sole purpose, right? Like, what am I here doing this for? Like, it it is going to really look for a lot of meaning in the world and the life that we're, that we're living. I love that. Cause I think it also is someone who's probably really able to like, and it's interesting thinking about it in our earlier part of talking about it being square to the fifth house. Cause I'm say it does have uh, like that Leo, energy to me of like rising above your circumstances but more of that thing of like look at what I'm able to do because I was driven by this kind of like I don't want to say bigger purpose and and say that Leos don't have a bigger purpose in that way but I think eighth house energy to me is very much like it is the the journey is definitely part of your identity Mm. because it's what it's what clarified your values and helped you get to this really like it's funny because it's on the other, it's a, a quote unquote, like shadowy or house, but that to me, it seems like a very powerful sun sign placement. Mm-hmm. I, a long time ago, found some website about serial killers and astrology. And one of the things that they were blogging, this is not like astrological info, but they were just like blogging about, uh, or maybe stream of consciousness about, um, serial killers having sun in the eighth house and I just tried to google it and it mentions also the fifth house so I think it's interesting because not because of obviously I don't think anyone listening to this that is sun in the eighth or fifth is destined to become a serial killer but I do think it's about um wanting to accomplish stuff Mm -hmm. and like and I think we see that in like serial killer documentaries but also this may be the house of wanting to accomplish more hidden stuff. Mm-hmm. So whether that hidden like goals and wishes financially or, you know, it doesn't have to Ooh. be actually murdering people or whatever, but maybe it's uh, a person who has like uh, slept with a lot of people that they don't tell you or they, you know what I mean? Mm. And they have more like maybe secret goals and, and it doesn't have to be and. I guess what I'm trying to say is it doesn't have to be something about the house. Maybe they have four jobs or, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. I like that idea, though, as a, I mean, again, not certainly not conflating those two things as like a, uh, <laughs> a faded kind of connection. But but I do think a 
thematic thing of, of serial killers is trying to get reality to match the way that they believe reality to be and constantly coming up against things. This is the, that's the ultimate, like if you do things the same way, you will get mm -hmm. the same result sort of thing, which is you have no idea about how you're perceived and you aren't willing to hear someone else's um, like perception of reality and adjust your expectations and desires to those things. And therefore like that's the all secret Whatever. And mm -hmm. also, maybe I, I if it's that. Aquarius, you know, maybe you are a person that hosts a very successful social media account, but your face is not attached to it. Or, some, you know what I mean? It can go different for each, obviously, sign and placement. Mm -hmm. A moon. So, obviously, this is, like, high-key emotional connection energy. I think if you have a water moon, too, I would think that this would be extra juicy. And... Eighth house moons will probably want to go deep fast. Again, this is a house that wants, like, the juicy stuff, not the, like, face value stuff. So my my only note, and I think this can maybe apply to Venus placement too, is that not everyone is going to want to merge instantaneously. There are people that are slower burns and that can merge. It's just, like, not everyone comes in as hot as you may or, like, ready to just, like – bare bare soul and you know really go there so i think just being aware of you know not if you're dating and you're like i don't know it's just not i'm not finding that instant connection it's like well instant connections can grow like like it doesn't i don't know again this is like me being like i don't know, like just try it like give it if, again if things aren't working and it's like fuck i want to find deep deep bonds it's like well some deep bonds we we cultivate and we like and we work on them that's still, it's emotional attachment. Are you attached to the idea of a deep connect, an instantaneous deep connection? Or do you want a deep connection at, at any cost? Right. Which well, sometimes well, re it requires cultivation or patience or this. If you, if you actually value the deep connection, then it shouldn't matter the speed with which you get it. The book mentions, especially through the mother, which I think is kind of important, obviously talking about the moon. But I know we hear moms all the time saying that, you know, there's no deeper or quicker or mm -hmm. whatever. So I think that uh, with that eighth house being the deep, the, the moon being the mom, kind of kind of makes sense that way. Yeah. Well, you, you literally like, share a body. Right. Inheritance through the mother. Uh, yeah. Psychic evolution through the female line. All that kind of stuff going. Oh. And that just knowing, too, right? Like moms just mm -hmm. know. You just right. know. And I think... Yes, it's good to have those relationships where you can be, again, this is the eighth house of like, again, a mysticism and magic. So I think also anyone with eighth house placements too will probably have a natural, that intuitive, that feeling, that going off of like the vibe, if we will. Like this is a very vibey, vibey house. I think all the water houses are really vibey. Um, but also sometimes we need like the information of like, is this like an emotionally good partner for you? Or is this someone that like mm -hmm. just supports you? Because some. Like, vibes can only feed us and sustain us so much. Then we, so vibes long. run out, and then we're like, oh, fuck, they're actually an asshole. Um, Mercury. So a lot of key words I was finding for this placement was persuasive. And I think that this could, again, be really someone that is good at getting people interested in them, in their ideas, in their projects. So this could be a really great placement to take advantage of in business. Um, I think the only disadvantage maybe when it comes to business is since, again, we're very mergy, we're very deep, we're very going for it, 
that this again small talk and that like those little things or if people don't get it right away can feel like a poo poo but don't let that get you down like sometimes we have to do that like that small entryway to then go into the deeper too sort of like what we were talking about with the moon like not everyone's gonna come in hot so we have to like it's foreplay it's just called foreplay like let's get used to it like we gotta instruct again we gotta tell people what we want see what we have but yeah, I think this is going to definitely get people on board with what you're what you're putting out there. Um, I have your chart in here so wrong, but this is this is such a weird chart. I'm like, this is not Stevie's chart. I'm, I put March instead of May. Um, anyway, it because it's eighth house Mercury. The book says is those people that they get an inheritance from a neighbor, or someone nearby, or oh, so uh, I got to find like those a, people. <laughs> yeah, so it's possible to be a coworker or something like that. Um, so I was wondering if your Mercury was anywhere near, but this no. person's is not your chart, so I better edit that. For no, mine's in the eleventh. Um, in Placidus, twelfth okay. house technically in, in whole sign. So I can again good with people. I can maybe I'll cast a wide net and try to find any of. Again, I'm taking applications for old person that needs a, a loving friend. Um, with that also but rich also i gotta ask her like not i don't not just your old person by the dump i need that rich fur covered <laughs> diamonds like okay i'm gonna i'm done stop talking um <laughs> wait did you add or should i go on or no go, keep going okay venus so venus again can be money and stuff like that so i think this can really be a nice indication of like stacking cash good cash flow um also on a love department you know very putting high importance on dramatic passion grand gestures like just again it it has a like the fifth house there's a flair of drama in all of this right it's not just normal life um i think too every relationship can maybe tend to feel like the one so i think breakups could maybe have an extra sting it can feel extra like uh but just know thyself like again it's like if that's just how you process the end of relationships that's how you process the end of relationships um but yeah there's a real opportunity i mean again there's eighth house persuasive like it's very i keep saying juicy but it is really juicy it's like if we have stuff here we can really capitalize on that in a lot of ways I think all of the eighth house placements, no matter what, are really, oh, and let me look up because there is a general thing that I, a general quote I wanted to read. And now I just remember that as I'm saying it. But I think they're all, they're not necessarily, like you said at the beginning of this, Stevie, easy to access. But I do mm -hmm. think that they are, um, like, if you're able to access them, they are truly superpowers and things that are can be really revolutionary in this way. It does require effort and change and that all of those like non-attachment things but the payoff is a fucking orgasm the greatest the, you know right. not, not saying that that's the greatest the greatest, pleasure, but it's, <laughs> the greatest you know, like, pleasure the greatest in the world pleasure, yeah, the greatest, dude you know um, um the the uh yeah girl sorry i was gonna one... say i think that that venus also could be someone who really values like being on the same page mm -hmm. so this might be someone who has difficulty um with i don't want to say people that disagree with them but like who have different values mm -hmm. y'all the book says that you're promised a peaceful death i love Whoa. that Ooh, okay. i like that um, 
I think too about like these hard to access things. And I don't think I said this disclaimer, which I usually do is like all these place, you know, talking about Venus and the eighth, these are all going to really be impacted by, again, the sign that your planet is in and also the aspects that are going. So since eighth house is really hard to access because it's so like, what the fuck is this? I think looking at what's aspecting our planets in the eighth house, because if there's a square from Mars to your Venus in the eighth, it's going to be like, well, let's do something about this. Now, if there's Mm -hmm. trines from Saturn, it's like, let's roll with business, baby. Like business is good. Like, so look at what's aspecting these eighth house places if they feel inaccessible. Cause I think there's planets and aspects and clues to go. How do we get in here? Like, how do we, how do we break into this house? Mm-hmm. I like this as we go forward. This, sorry, I should have read this at the beginning, but or, I'll read it at the end. Actually. Okay. Continue. Sorry. Mars. So Mars, um, you know, I think also eighth house, when we talk about money, it can represent money coming in or out, you know, like that's just, the circle of money flow and I think Mars is definitely open to taking more risks um since this is sex money and death I like to just not to like freak Mars people out but obviously slowing down checking in again if we are in this partnership getting some insight because Mars wants to go and this is a place where we can go but we also do need check-ins on what sex we're having what money we're making what death could you know what endings could come um, and also, I think Mars is great about if, if you wanted those deep connections, actually going out and getting them, actually searching for people that value those same things that you do. And also, like, if you want house or real estate or money, it's very, like, ready to put in that effort to go seek it out. So, um, yeah, I think, like, again, all money in the eighth house should be, you know, it can come, it can leave as easily as it comes, but know that there's, like, the energy to maybe go, go and get it. Yeah, mm-hmm. the book says intense energy. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. I could, I would, yeah, I would imagine. I was valid. trying to think if I knew anyone with this well, placement, but I can't think of it. But I, there's people I'm like, they probably have that. I'm for sure. I'm curious. Um, Jupiter. So dark pixie astrology said that this could be a placement for someone who ends up with, uh, who ends up with someone who has a lot of money. So very jealous of you. I think that's really cool. And then also. Um, you know, Jupiter wants it all. It's that planet of abundance, as we talked about before. So you might want a lot of lovers, a lot of money, a lot of properties. So if you keep maybe putting yourself in really traditional boxes, it could be interesting to see what happens if we uncheck some of those boundaries that we've been making. Because you are like, we could have a very different life and very different things and allow ourselves to be more Jupiterian and free Versus like following this mold and model that maybe or rules that we don't even know why we're following them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> sounds good. Saturn. So Saturn is here. I think this can tend to be like, I'm going to I won't stop working until I get what I want and putting in overtime like just do, again, where Jupiter is like, oh my God, I married someone with money. Saturn's like, wow, good for you. Here I am like busting my fucking ass. So putting in the overtime and um, which Saturn can sometimes feel burdened, you know, without having to like go get everything and handle all this shit. But on the flip, this is from iHoroscope.com. It can also then put a lot of that same amount of energy we might into work into that spirituality and into that sexuality. So I think it's like a good reminder that if we're working really hard, we also need to like connect and go deep 
in that sexy mm-hmm. eighth house stuff all as equally as as hard. Like if we're gonna go hard, let's go hard in all this kind of shit. I like this as and maybe I'm projecting my Taurus and thinking of Saturn as Earth, you know, thinking of Capricorn kind of energy, but just also Saturnian energy as more earthbound than uh others, mm-hmm. other planets. But I think that it also is like the both the the trap and the gift are in the kind of practical hard work of the thing which is like sometimes you can get caught up in in kind of willing it and doing the work being like why isn't this working why isn't this changing I'm doing the work um and sometimes like that's directed in the wrong the wrong area of work but also I think this is someone to me that very much is like when you tell them the steps of what you need to do they will do the steps. They're not afraid to like follow the rules of like, okay, this is what you do for a retirement plan. You put this much money in this sort of thing and do that. Like uh, mm-hmm. following the, following the rules, taking the necessary steps, not cutting corners in that doing their morning pages every day, doing the fit. Like these are the things that lead to transformation in a less sexy mystical way, but in a very grounded, real practical way. Mm-hmm. I, someone recently told me that this, how this placement does not get an inheritance and I think they're misinformed. Um, (laughs) I also, um, I, well, I also have this placement and I think one of the things that the book talks about is having to do the work because you're responsible for more people than yourself, Mm. which Mm. I think, um, I definitely relate to maybe not necessarily in the way that they present it, but I do feel that emotional burden of like feeling responsible for other people when I'm not. Mm -hmm. Um, It also mentions that you may live to a very old age. Oh, sure. Hang on, baby. Still kicking, baby. Uh, You're honest. So this could be a placement that maybe has worked a lot of odd jobs. Maybe you've had a different, a lot of, not that it's like I've had a ton of relationships, but very different feeling relationships. Like that person is not the same as this person is not. Like there's this growing through these very different types of partnerships. Um, you know, since Uranus can get really bored easily, it's going to want to seek out new experiences, new jobs, new everything, you know, kind of on the flip side of Saturn. And um, Uranus also can really have that potential to be transformed through sex, through our partners, through those relationships, because it's you're being presented with new information that Uranus is then feeling stimulated and is like, wow, like I didn't think of like money or my body or this in these sorts of ways. So it's very like an open receptor to, you know, if things are feeling very same old. Yeah. I think that some of the things that stood out to me as Uranus in the eighth house are, um, Interest in the survival of consciousness after death. I I Whoa. love like that for me totally Ooh. clicks. Um, uh, do not operate dangerous machinery when angry. I feel like that for <laughs> me very clicks Ooh, a lot. A, yeah. Um, and then uh, prescient dreams, unreciprocated uh, love, unexpected financial wealth. Like I feel like sometimes I'm like. I'm not going to make any tips tonight. And I'm like, whoa, $100. Wow. <laughs> Changed my world. 
Well, I, I like I like this Uranus in the eighth. I'm going through it as a transit right now. Mm. Um, not saying I don't have anything natally in the eighth, but I am having Uranus transit my eighth house right now, and uh, which I think is a little bit different energy, obviously, than natal. But I do like this as a um, unexpected out of your control kind of things being that thing that push you over the edge to take action to transform in a way that you couldn't have done yourself, but are now going to have to do and in a rapid, you know, I don't want to say like trauma response, but in that thing of like, well, when there's something, when there's an event that needs responding to, you kind of got to do it. There's a leak. You got to fix it. Mm -hmm. You don't have time to think about why you should or shouldn't do it. Yeah. Well, and thinking about these, whenever we get to this sat, when we get to Saturn, and again, I selfishly think of all of our, our gender people of the cap cluster, right? So a lot of these things are very, like the opposite of like the, yeah, the intertwined, but also the opposite. And I know we obviously, uh, we know we have younger listeners who don't have everything, you know, exactly lined up, but it's, it is interesting to think of that a lot of these for a lot of us are, are together because they aren't, in agreement in a lot of ways. I mean, mm-hmm. it's figuring out that balance of work and fun and creativity and life and all that. And then going into Neptune. Well, I also think on that note, before we hit Neptune, uh-huh. um, when you have things conjunct, a good thing to remember is that they, those things will be aspecting other parts of your chart in the same way. Yeah. So that's, I think how you can make some sense of when you're like, Oh, but I have I have Uranus Saturn Neptune conjunct and it's like, yeah, but they're all in opposition to X or they're all trying to Y or um, you know, and mm-hmm. they may not be making direct angles in your chart, but but a lot of the times that's a way that you can find a communal well well, they're all in opposition to my moon, so I know that that like you know, mm-hmm. I think that's a good we way can to get find some common. consensus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they do like I think of like they do want to make whatever you're going on in your life they're working for you it's just they have different opinions and it's like the same with any like like I like thinking of the chart as all these coworkers who do everything differently and some are close to each other and know how each other's style is and some just have no fucking clue about the other person like they're like oh that person works a shift during the day and I'm at night and I see their cups laying around and I'm aware of their existence but I don't know them so it's just trying to get them to know each other a little bit better so then they can work together as strong as they as they can. And sometimes they're going to be out a lot of whack. I mean, right now too with like, I know Pisces people have Neptune and Pisces has been like, everyone's been in the fog with that transit that's going on right now. Mars retrograde, everyone's fucking exhausted right now. Like it's just what's, what is up. And so while things might feel like one way is like Saturn work hard and then Uranus is like, just kidding and do it all. It's like, how does that work? It's like, well, we're figuring that out. Like we're finding the balance of like how we can scratch all these different planets itches for what they're wanting to help us with. It's not going to, it's not easy. If these charts were instruction manuals and just said what to do, then we'd all be just doing it. And it's, it's, we have to interpret and like kind of intuitively feel like what is needed when, and like what you're seeing, Uranus going through the eighth house is like, yeah, maybe I didn't know I needed this in this eighth house sector right now at this point in my life, but Fuck, here I am and this is happening, so let's let's react. 
Mm-hmm. Neptune. Neptune. So this is definitely going to be have that natural knack for the mysticism, the unknown, the eighth housey stuff, and just be interested to um, the natural intuitiveness, the psychic energy. Just like yes, like I'm fat. Like Neptune's like you know that stoner boner who's fascinated with this all. Um, I think also with money, it could be a place where things are a little more blurry as Neptune tends to do. So whether that's like sharing accounts or maybe what Lisa said, being responsible for other people or like lovers versus business versus partnership versus like what is what, um, which is like what happens in life. We do eventually merge accounts and do this and share credit cards and have these things happening. So I think just knowing is power. If you feel like you've been really left out of the conversation, bringing yourself back into the conversation um, you know, knowing where the passwords are to things, knowing where accounts live, you know, having them bookmarked, having them be accessible. And um, also it is uh, another placement that can be really encouraging to try out some more fantasies in the bedroom. So things that have just lived in that little Neptunian mind is like, why don't we, why don't we, try, that? Why don't we try that out? Yeah, Love I like it. the books um, talking about sleep. And I think for me, that's very, uh, very relevant. Um, may die while asleep, you Whoa. know, dreams, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I always feel like I'm dying when I'm asleep. <laughs> but but uh, maybe our sleeps are just many deaths on our way to our grand death. Yeah, I mean, sleep and dreams are weird. It's weird that we shut down our bodies for like eight, I mean, not fully shut down. Well, but That is in and of itself a thing where you have to like trust. Imagine the first person that went to sleep was just like, what the fuck is happening? What is this? Where do I go? Am I still in the same place? Like just that understanding that you both like leave your body and are there in the same place is a very eighth house uh, kind of eighth house Neptune uh, endeavor of like trusting that you're going to wake up and trusting that this is all, you know, Mm -hmm. yes. And then Pluto. So uh, I like this line from i.horoscope.com that those born with Pluto in the eighth house of their birth chart will have a certain flair for seeing what others cannot see for spotting the other side of the world, the hidden and the mysterious. And I, I really like that thinking of this could be someone who has an eye for the next big thing, like the next big investment or the next big invention. Um, and then also like some other sources online definitely touched on that, you know, again, the deep connection, maybe really being protective of these inner worlds and our musings and the things that we're going through. And, um, again, the eighth house for all y'all, like there's so much magic and potential and power there. And it makes sense that it'd be scary to experiment (laughs) with our placements in the eighth because it seems very heavy and it is, but again, there's so much opportunity and, and excitement that can really happen in this house. The book mentions that what you are really searching for is within you. Whoa. I like that. Mm Mm-hmm. I like, I love that as all of them. And I can't think of any more kind of like transformative in already a house of transformation. Having Pluto there, I think can speak to like difficult challenging events and also someone who is capable of absolutely uh immense transformation and change and and encouraging that in other people that doesn't necessarily have to be your own life being that I think you also could like 
see that and and help other people through that, be a guide for that, be able to like make space and bear. I remember when we did a chart reading for someone who was like a deaf coach or something too. That to me is like very uh, like transforming the way that we see those things or the way that we experience them is a very like Pluto in the eighth um, kind of idea to me. Uh, but I think that speaks to this last thing that I wanted to read that's Robert Hand again. And he just says about planets in the eighth house. Is a large number of planets in the eighth signifies someone whose life to a great extent revolves around change. That is, a person who finds any continuous state of affairs tedious and consciously or unconsciously engineers circumstances that periodically totally transform the life. The resulting crises may appear difficult to others and even to the individual, but such people often tr feel truly alive only when they are undergoing such catastrophes. And so I think that for any placement in the eighth house or any transit that's going there, it is like we get bored and we might be doing it on purpose or we might, it might be outside of our controls, but they also are kind of like adrenaline moments to really um, shake things up and change uh, the, the trajectory of our, our lives, change our ideas about most and mostly in kind of going off of that last thing about the Pluto, mostly change our conceptions of ourselves, what we what we thought we were capable of, we actually are capable of so much more and all of those things. And so that's constantly gonna need to, to be met with a new kind of thing to let us know we have all of this power at our disposal. I love I it. Love it. Eighth I house is cool. It. It's cool. Yes. Mm, and it's not that unknown. Me. We just have to talk, you just have to talk about it, which is taboo. Yes. You learn so much more through doing like, it. It is so that thing of like, well, we both know that this is going on. So let's just call it out. Like the power even to call it out, to be the person that says, oh, is this okay? Or is that okay? Or this is what I want and all of that. That's transformative. And, and uh, again, a superpower that we all have access to because we all have an eighth house. So look at the the uh the planetary ruler if you don't have any planets there to see how you might be able to really be a change agent in your own life yeah and happy happy metamorphosizing yeah seriously <laughs> we're gonna get get real heady here i mean it's and again there's all these houses all these placements all these things are in chart it's like we never figure it out we just get we just get new connections to it and have new new appreciation, new revelation. So yeah, fun one. I love it. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. Well, Thank you guys so much for, for joining us on this uh, eighth house endeavor and for, for listening whenever you do, however often you do, we appreciate you and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to What's Your Sign. Please rate us five stars and subscribe on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you use. If you like what you heard, please support us on Patreon. You can also find us online on Instagram at What's Your Sign Podcast or on Twitter at What's YR Sign underscore pod. You can also like our fan page on Facebook and join our friendship group. Questions, comments, concerns, or to book a commission chart reading, you can email us at What's Your Sign Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye. What's your sign? What's your